up, Bay Area? It's your boy, Mighty Joe. Welcome to another episode of The Patch Bay. Today, joining us is my good friend, Rennell Roberts, who's a Bay Area artist known for his love of color and also the owner of Shea Rennell Gallery in San Francisco. Welcome to the show, Rennell. What's up, baby? How you doing? All right. Signature, what's up, baby? That's what I was going to see if you could <laughs> drop me one of those. Right for on, sure, man. For sure, for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's really, really exciting to have you on the show today. You know, I like to mix the show up and, and bring a lot of diversity from musicians to artists. You know, I had a basketball coach on one time, so now mm-hmm. I have an amazing painter joining us today, and I'm really uh, excited to... You. Oh, my pleasure. And I'm really excited to share your story today. Absolutely. More than happy to be here. Right on, right on. So we'll go ahead and jump right into things. I wanted to, you know, take us on a journey from where it all started and kind of where you are today. So I wanted to talk about, I know you grew up in a small town called French Camp. And the po- right, which is right outside of Stockton. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a very uh-huh. small population from what I see from, I think at one point they were like 4,000. I think right now they're a little over 3,000. What was it like growing up in a small town like that? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. French Camp was uh, where most of the kids were born in the 50s because that's where the San Joaquin General Hospital was. So uh, hence, you know, on the birth certificate, it says you're born in French camp. Right. And, uh, you know, it, I, I actually lived most of my life in the town of Stockton. And uh, it was really, really uh, close neighborhoods of my family growing up there. I had my family around me. And uh, in terms of relatives, aunts and uncles, uh, I, of course, I grew up in the 50s. So sure. there was still some tension going on with, with race issues, things like that. Right. But all, all in all, um, it was really uh, uh, the kind of neighborhood where you actually had a neighborhood in terms of you could depend on your next door neighbor. Uh, you mm-hmm. could depend on the people around across the street or in, in, uh, uh, you know, in on the block that you lived on sure. to, uh, to to scold you, to support you. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of what it was. Life was very, very different in terms of the closeness and the connectedness that we don't really find that much today because we're so busy. Right. Uh, but growing up in a small town, you just had, uh, it's a place where everybody kind of knew everybody. You right. know, we knew the Joneses, we knew the Smiths, they knew the Roberts and right. it was it was cool. It was cool in that way. And I uh, I, would, I wouldn't trade it for anything to be able to grow up like that uh, and kind of know everybody. Right on. Did, did you know that there's actually there's some really, really well-known people and very important people that are from French camp? So I, I wanted to actually tell you a couple of those names. One, yeah, one, one guy, his name is Scott Brooks. He's the head coach of the Washington Wizards. He was actually the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder for many years with Kevin wow. Durant. And, uh-huh. Right. Then you also have an astronaut. His name is Jose M. Hernandez. He was actually in space for about 13 days, 14 days. Uh, another really big name is Robert L. Johnson, who is the co-founder of BET and currently the majority owner of the Charlotte Hornets. I didn't realize he was from there. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's That's it, awesome. It's pretty awesome. I was like, wow, <laughs> I think he would appreciate knowing that, you know, he was born in the same place that these other really, really uh, prestigious human beings were born as well. That so. is amazing. That is amazing. That's great to be in good company. 
who are your mentors? Who was it that really was inspiring you? And because I, I know that you, like you said, you want to be a, a be able to be a mentor as well. But but who is actually uh-huh. the ones that that ner- other than your family? Did you have anybody in the art uh-huh. world that showed you something like said, hey, let me let me show you this. Let me show you that, you know, before you really took, you know, got into it, like into high school and college. Larry Walker was my art teacher at college at University of Pacific and showed me how to sketch and showed me how to really uh, use texture and uh, how to think more abstractly with my artwork as well and just be true to myself and not just draw what I see but draw what I feel as well. And then later on I started looking at the work of Leroy Neiman. Uh, Leroy Neiman always did the sports. Uh, he would be on uh, something like the Olympics or uh, you know, or the wild, wide world of sports. He would be an artist that was situated and located to paint right there uh, uh, on the spot. And he used a lot of graphic color. And you'll have to look him up. He's done really amazing stuff. He's just awesome. The Muhammad Ali fight, he had a big painting of that. And what I was really attracted to is the movement and the color that was in his work. And I think those those people are, are the people that kind of inspired me. And then later on, I started enjoying the work of French gotcha. Impressionists. And you still you still go back to them? You still yeah. go back to them? Like if you're lacking some kind of inspiration, yeah. those are your go-tos? Right, Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah, so I go to Paris and I have been to Paris like every other year. Uh, and, and I get inspired by just going to the Louvre or to the Jorsey or even just be in the French Quarter or just on the Champs-Élysées while I'm just in Paris. It's so inspiring to me to be there. But of course, the work that I see with the artists that are there, is that's something that gives me inspiration. Uh, and also, you know, it's something that really inspires me as well. Those trips to Paris just have to be like memories. Like you just probably can't wait to get back to those oh kind of places God. once all the yeah. It's yeah, killing no, me I, right now. It's, it's killing me that I can't go. Yeah, and it's interesting that you asked me that because I have a lot of work, a lot of poster work has been inspired by Toulouse Lautrec, who did a lot of posters uh, during you know his lifetime, and it was that that inspired me to do like all the posters that I've been doing and have done for La Boulangerie here in San Francisco. So yeah, that that's a, a steady imprint in my life, and I can look at that work in my own uh, resume right now and and photos that I've taken and things like that are just are little uh, symbols uh, of the that that experience. Yes, it's really dear to me. Right on. As far as Italy and France, you know, when you go yeah. see a lot of those museums, where does the value come from art? That is what the artist has to determine the value uh, not only of the materials and the time he spent on it, but also right. the sentiment value of what he's created. Jean-Michel Basquiat, mm-hmm. uh, the you know, 1980s uh, painter, uh, graffiti artist from New York, mm-hmm. who recently, uh, well, the last couple of years, sold uh, the most amount for an American painter. It was over $100 million wow. uh, for, for a painting. So, okay. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's really the value that people are placing on the work as they collect it, uh, that's usually the, the thing that really drives it. So the more people that get out there and buy Shea Rodell artwork. <laughs> right. The more value it'll have. It's awesome. So we were talking a earlier about discrimination 
What I wanted to ask you is, does the art world discriminate or is that your refuge? Is that where you just, where everybody accepts you no matter what and you just know that that's home base? Yeah, interestingly enough, people of color are still a minority. Mm. And uh, you have probably gone to a museum before, you didn't see any work in there that was done by you know, a person of color, uh, specifically an African-American. And, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a bird that was something that I just, I just felt like, wow, that's why I need to do what right. I need to do. So I'd be Definitely. that person or one of those people. Well, that actually leads me right into my next question. So you say that you that you want your art to make a living impact in people's lives. And somebody like me, I totally get that statement because music is not just something that you hear. For me, it's something you feel. Why is that important to you for your work to be a living impact? I, I personally have to understand that it's bigger than me. Uh, I think when, when you understand that your work is bigger than you and it's for the greater good of of inspiring just like someone inspired me i want to be that same person that inspires someone else mm -hmm. to do good and i think when you live in that space when you live in that focus the reward of that is how people respond to it if you're doing it honestly if you're doing it for the right reason it's going to come back to you i really believe uh, of the law of rep, uh, reciprocity in sure. that you do good, you get good back to you. And I, and I, and so I think it's important to have the right mind and have the right focus. Uh, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to get rich. I'm not doing it because I want to get over somebody else. I'm not doing it to be seen or to be heard. I'm doing it because, first of all, I love to do it. Second of all, I understand that I, I was created to do it. And then thirdly, I, I know by having the right focus uh, in my mind and in heart, it's going to respond in the way in that way where people will respond to it by collaborating with me. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I, I just feel like that having a living impact is something that you want to have on the world long after you are gone because you lived bigger than just being here for the time that you did. You, 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 you had your sights set on a vision rather, rather than just on the right now. Sure, you saw, you saw the whole picture, not just the pieces of the puzzle. Exactly. And I think that's really important. I mean, those are the kinds of things that I look up about, you know, when, when I look up th things about, uh, you know, you know, like, you know, Garvey or, or Dubois and, and, you know, where we're looking at even, you know, all the poets and, and you know, I was in Washington, D.C. for the summer last year and going to the National uh, 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 Portrait Gallery, just being impressed from all the work that was done there and the artists that were there and it you know it it, it was really really wonderful uh that someone who's not even here anymore i'm able to enjoy their work and still be influenced by it and touched by it and i think that's really important for generations to come so in in 2001 that was a pretty big year for you because it's when you decided to commit yourself to your craft what was yeah. it that changed your mind that made you not change your mind that that formed your mind to say you know what i'm going all in on this yeah that's a great question because there is that time in your in your timeline where you go from oh i dabble at it oh oh it's a hobby oh oh yeah i do a little bit of that to i i am an artist and i think when you own that it's the most important transition any of sure. us can make because 
we're taking the responsibility of owning that and being that. And I think it's important to do that. There has to be that stage. Uh, I think uh, it's just like the, the missiles that I would draw, uh, yeah. you know, that, you know, that you, you start off with a big, with a big trident missile, but all, all the parts, all the parts of that are, are, are eliminating itself They're, so that the, the smaller part can just jettison into uh, the, uh, the outer hemisphere. Mm -hmm. So I said all that to say that I would, there, there's just things that you start dropping off until you focus so your career could start jettisoning it. And, and uh, I got to the place where I thought, okay, uh, enough of this, you know, working at it, dabbling at it. It's my little thing I love to do. No, this is something I am. And I really, I really believe that after I uh, went out and said, okay, this is what I am, then I just really feel like, the, you know, God and the universe began to open up opportunities for me because I personally had defined what it is I wanted to do and where I was going. Yeah. Well, tell me, though, what was it like to actually get those keys in your hands up for your very own studio for the first time? Joe, Joe, I have to tell you, man, that yeah. was so amazing. That was so amazing. The fact that I could step into a studio room and call it my own. You know this. Yeah. As, a, as a guy who records, it's, it's the place that you get to tinker and it's the place that you get to be you. Yeah. If you, if, you can't, if you can't be you in your own room, you need to lock the door and throw away the key. But you want, you want to go in and, and I thought, oh, finally, I'm in my place that I could have my own work. No one gets to tell me what to do. I get to be inspired and it comes out of my heart. So awesome. it comes out of what I feel. And uh, I hope they're going to like it. Right. And I, but I, but this is what I feel, you know, and I think uh, you, you, you kind of lose all, all fear about that. It's not initially about selling your work. It's not initially about an audience you want to attract. It's first and foremost, it's opportunity for you to reveal uh, who you are and what's in your heart. And then later on, you think right. about paying the rent. But I think, I think for me, uh, initially, I got my art studio about the time that I first went to Paris, which was uh, right around 2003 is when I got my studio. I had visited the shipyard a couple of times because every year they have spring open studios, spring and fall. Uh, Arts band puts on the fall one, but uh, the shipyard puts on the spring one. And of course, we didn't have it this year. But it's just a place where a lot of people come and you have to know you something that people hear about of course there's a lot of marketing that goes around right. it but we did uh, i opened up my studio there and i had my first trip uh, to paris that year and so my first show in my studio was called uh, destination paris and i had all these different colored uh, 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 eiffel towers small paintings and i sold a lot of them it was a confirmation where I felt like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to do this. Right, right. Uh, this is fun. I love it. And I wa I wanna, I'm up for the journey. Uh, I want to talk about your book, Love Your Color. Yeah. So now, I, I have tried to do some research about that book, and I haven't really been able to find much. I, I know you made a post yesterday and you said it came out in 2016. The only thing uh -huh. I've been able to find out is it's a 104 page book, but I don't uh -huh. know if it's all paintings, if there's actual you know words in there, there's an actual story. What, what's Love Your Color about? Uh, Love Your Color is a painting that I did uh, where I was using the word color you know, in a double law and um, meaning it, it's saying one you, thing, you, but it you means were using something color else. In a, in a double what? No, I'm sorry. It was a double entendre. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's it. I, I was I was using it in one way, but it means something else. Right on. And, and so, just like you would say, um, yeah, I, it was a whole series of artwork that I did where I used something called colored, mm-hmm. and at one point, colored meant the separation between white and colored. In order to go to a drinking fountain, they were labeled colored and mm-hmm. then white. And Trash. so in, in, in the painting that I did in the whole series in my art studio, I just I used the word colored with an arrow on the bottom of it. But I had all these different colors. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was saying, even though, even though I had the word colored there, I had all these different colors. And so I was using that statement to say something else. So the book Love Your Color really is about what it is you bring human being. What are you bringing in terms of the talent, the ability? the sense of who you are. What color do you bring? And it's not really about skin color. It's about it's about content. Energy, Energy and content. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what 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 do you bring to the table? And and it's really about my turning point, like the question you asked me earlier about when I became from just dabbling around to becoming an artist and saying that I was an artist. Mm-hmm. I think I think my I think me owning my color started right there. Knowing who I was and knowing what it is I was here to do. Right. And I think so the book is about that. It talks about my journey in Stockton, growing up, my neighborhood, my influences. Mm-hmm. And then it also has paintings in there. So it's kind of like a biography basically. Right. And uh it has works that my mom had kept when I was a kid. She uh, lent me uh, for the book that's in the book as well. Kind of oh, showing awesome. my development when I was 16 and 17 years old, when I first started painting up till now. And so the book has uh, a lot of stories uh, between, between the pictures and it's all broken up into stages. Uh, just as you would, as a matter of fact, I have the book here. It's, it's like broken up into different stages of creating a painting. So. Uh, it's something like preliminary sketches, uh, the canvas, uh, underpainting, layering of color, you know, discovering my voice, mm-hmm. the painting, owning it all, and then the sale by Global Vision. So, uh, the book Love Your Color uh, is, is, is basically from a painting that was hanging up inside of my art studio that a publisher who came to visit me, at the time I didn't, well, I knew he was a publisher, but I didn't know he wanted to publish my work. He just wanted to come see my studio. And so he came in mm-hmm. and he looked at my work and he saw that painting on the wall of those three girls. Right. And he said, I want to do a book for you and I want it to be called Love Your Color. And I want that painting to be the cover of your book. And it just floored me and down in my room. I'm like, what? Yeah. It, wow. He says, I want you to write it. I'm going to put an editor with you and I want you to write your book and I'm going to send my staff here to take photos of your artwork and we're, we're going to do a book. I thought, awesome. wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, it, it definitely came into reality and gave us the insight on what the book's about. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely more excited to go and pick it up and, and check it out because it's just going to continue the journey from this interview because we we, t- we dabbled a little bit on touching, touching on some of these things, but now yeah. you'll really yeah. be able to get to know the behind the scenes and, you know, the true story behind Renell Roberts. So I think that's, yeah. that's, that's amazing stuff right there. So I yeah. got a Thank couple you. of Thank you. You were very welcome. Got a couple of fun questions to kind of finish it up on. So every time I see you, you know, you are King Dapper. 
and uh, your your go-to accessory are your scarves. So when did you adopt a scarf? Well, I adapted. As a matter of fact, I started adapting uh, to the scarves. Uh, you know, going back and forth to Paris um, because because there's a certain kind of knot that they tie their scarf in. Ah. You know, you fold you fold it in half and you hold your hand there and you you know you wrap it around your neck and you put the base part of it through the area that you hold. But I have to show you that. That's all another thing. But it, interestingly enough, though. Uh, I've seen artists wear scarves and there's something so cool and so I just I think it's it's pretty sophisticated and I've always liked scarves in that way and so that's kind of why I've, I've kind of adapted them into my wardrobe. Uh, and, not, and not only that, because they're warm. I mean, yeah. it, it's, chill, it's chilly here in the city. And by the so. way, it's a good piece of uh, piece of clothing to keep me warm. <laughs> exactly. Nah, man. Yeah. You, you know, it's not gonna be hot when I'm wearing it. You know. Right. So, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hey man, where I'm from in New York, bro, it could be it could be 90 degrees oh. outside, and they'll still have hoodies on. Like, damn, man, ain't you hot? But, well, that's you know, not, that's that's insane. That's, that's Hoodie Allen right there. That's what we know him as. But, oh um, but yeah, man. So tell us something about Rennell Roberts that we just don't know. I love ice cream. I love ice cream. And I San Francisco ice cream tour. Okay. And it's a little, it's a little fun thing. Um, you know, I grew up with, you know, all I had was 31 flavors, you know. <laughs> and I love that, you know. My little almond jamoka fudge. It was... You can't tell me nothing about that, baby. And uh, so I love that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I am a big fan of ice cream. There's a company here in the city called Salt and Straw from Portland, Oregon. And since I've been on quarantine, I've ordered five pints from them. Hey, uh, eat it, eat it very slowly, though. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't mow through it. But I have a little ice cream tour that I do here, where I take people out. Uh, for the different ice creameries that I really, really love. And there's several cool places here in San Francisco. One of my favorite ice creams is uh, caramel sea salt. It's, it's a favorite of mine. I love the combination of sweet and savory. And mm. so, and then I love to cook. I'm a guy that I, I get in the kitchen and I love to make, uh, some, you know, some barbecue uh, chicken and some pork, pork chops and love to make a good stir fry with, with, uh, with steak in there and do uh, uh, fajitas. I, I, I'm a nice. guy that does a casserole. And so, yeah, yeah, I uh, I love right to cook. So For I love all to cook. you ladies out love there, ice cream. Rennell's ready to cook you a nice dinner and then take for you out sure. for some ice cream. For sure, baby. For sure. <laughs> I got pictures to prove it. <laughs> yeah. first. So last question. Your yeah, baby. Where did you get that from, man? When did you start doing that? I think mine came with my level of swagger right. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and i think i think i think i got to a place in my life where i and we all have to get there joe where we're happy with who we are and mm. and and comfortable with what we've become because it's not it's not really about doing and so many people want to do things to be seen and do things to be recognized but the bigger part of that is becoming yeah. and 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 be becoming simply means to listen Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and to embrace who you are and, and 
and, and who you want to be and then and start acting on that and being a, a positive influence and i think for me once i started in embracing that and start becoming and i have and don't get me wrong i have a lot of things happen to me i've been divorced a couple of times and i have children and there's things that have happened in my life that have you know death near death illnesses all sure. kind of unemployment all kind of things that happened to me in my life sure. it's not a bed of roses these past 60 something years right. but at the same time i think i think the important thing is once i landed on my feet and was a base life then i was like yeah baby what's up baby right you know and like like you said too it's it's it was a it was a it's kind of it was a form of upliftment for you you know like you said yeah. everything that you had been through it was just uh -huh. you telling yourself like yeah man i'm still here and i'm not going exactly. nowhere exactly so i i, I love that exactly. so, like and I thank said, you and uh, I, I i just want to take this moment to thank you for asking me to do this and i've always appreciated you you know i'm, I'm a big fan of yours uh, you. i love to hear your recorded music because it, what you do is it, so clean and clear and the way you record uh, all the percussions and, and how you do what you do, man. I think you're awesome. And I wish you nothing but the best. I love that you're impacting in your community with you and your daughter and your wife. And man, it just really be joy to see uh, you know, a young man like you that, that is, uh, is so focused on uh, really bringing about change and not just talking about it doing as president obama used to say being the change and i really love that about you and so i, I appreciate our friendship definitely are one of the people that inspire me and and you you really have been been supportive from day one since the first day that i met you and you know I, when i asked you to be on it wasn't because you were a friend of mine it was because uh, i knew in addition to us you know being good friends uh -huh. i just knew you would be uh, a, a good candid interview and for uh -huh. who you are and what you do more people just need thank to know you. about you so i'm i'm hoping we can thank do you, that man. and That's and like awesome. i said these last the, you know the last few minutes i just want to open up the mic to you and allow you to say whatever it is you'd like to say to the people yeah yeah thank you yeah so one way that you can see my work of course is on instagram i'm there all the time uh, i have uh shay Rennell life and shay Rennell. but shay Rennell is kind of focused more on my artwork uh where shay Rennell life is like day-to-day -day fun stuff and uh, so you can, you can check it out there. And then also my website is www.ronnellroberts.com. And yeah. you can see all the posters I've done. There's places for you to see how I got started. There's an about page. There's a, uh, a new page. It has the things that I'm working on. And also there's some, you know, posters that you can purchase, you know, bags and things of that sort, t-shirts as well. Uh, if you wanted to ever have painted ladies that uh, that you see, uh, you can get that on the tote bag or on also a t-shirt. So that's a cool place to uh, check me out as well. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. Just thank you so much for having me today. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a blast. Thank you. My pleasure as well, Renell. Had a really good time. I'm glad to hear that you did. It's definitely what I strive for. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. We're going to leave you right now with a piece of music from Rennell Roberts himself. Happy Mother's Day to all of the amazing mothers out there. Please stay safe and stay strong. It's the Patch Bay.